welcome to the Sparkler Podcast. Today we are very excited to have Jen and Kate on, and they make up the creator team Kaiju. Hi. And we also have our comics editor, Lillian. Hello. We talked very briefly sort of over the week through email about something that we might want to talk about on the podcast. But first, I would like to say that both myself and Team Kaiju just finished a weekend of tabling at different conventions. I was yep. at WonderCon and they were at DinkCon in Colorado. Is that what it's actually called? Is it called Dink? Yeah, it's called Dink. (laughs) And they won an award. So congratulations, guys. Congratulations. (laughs) Tell us about that. How was the con and and how was the award ceremony and and how excited are you? Oh, we were not excited expecting it at all so we were totally unprepared when they called her (laughs) (laughs) we're just like at the podium like um we have a bunch of people we need to thank i'm like oh going through my brain i was like oh i hope i didn't leave anybody out (laughs) it'd be awful (laughs) but yeah is it the denver independent comics festival is that what it is or what's Uh, what does dink stand for independent arts and comic Expo, oh, yeah, Expo. Like mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it's and the award you got was for? Um, I think it's uh, Best in... Or Outstanding Colorado. Out- outstanding Work in Colorado, yeah, I think. Outstanding yeah. work in Colorado. And it was for Maho Jose Chimaka. Yeah, we were nominated for uh, Small Press, too, but we got the Colorado one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. How big a show is it? How many people were there? It was really, for me, I think it was quite big for their first year yeah, I thought they uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I'd been to Mocha before in New York, and Mocha was super, like, deserted. And Really? Yeah. Like, huh. the year I went there anyway. So I was expecting that, <laughs> and it uh-huh. really wasn't. It was quite um, It was quite full. They, they did a really good job. Yeah, they did a really good job, and their staff was really friendly. Yeah. Like, they made sure all the artists have water, and they come around with snack bars. Yeah, yeah. That, like, nice. literally saved our lives. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of cool artists there too. Yeah, we got to talk to a bunch of people. Yeah, really awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I had I had a good time at WonderCon. I was kind of poaching a corner from Yaoi Revolution, which <laughs> which they're super awesome to hang out with. I had a really good time with them. Sharon, the woman who runs it, it was her and her husband and her 14 year old son. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was remarkably chill about the fact that his mom is selling these like explicit comics and novels for a living. <laughs> so like the crowd that they were attracting was definitely a little bit more into the smut than sort of I think your average Sparkler fan. So there was but it's still it's such an easy con for me to do just because it was actually in LA this year at the LA Convention Center and I, I live about twenty five minutes away from that. So all I had to do is like bring in a couple bags of books and just set up and kinda hang out and talk to people and see what was what. So I sold all of our copies of Ring of Saturn, which is exciting. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then and I sold a bunch of Chimaka and I overall like it was a pretty we didn't have a ton of sales because I think Sparkler's honestly a little bit too anime for kind of a mainstream Comic-Con like WonderCon. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of kind of a, a genre mismatch there. But it was nice just to kind of see people and chat with them. And like we had enough overlap between the Yowie Revolution crowd and then, 
you know, people who would also be interested in our stuff that I was very happy where we were. It's always a long day when you're at like a con from nine until seven or whatever. Which yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was getting a little burned out by the end, but today was, was pretty chill. We still had some sales and like got out at five. So. Oh, that's um, nice. good. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking before we started the, the call of just like, I was snacking up on some hummus to kind of like last me through this conversation. <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's get to business. What were some of the comics that sort of inspired you to, to want to make comics? comics and how did you sort of end up where you are now considering that we've been working together for over two years now i actually feel like i know relatively little about your sort of artistic history and background so let's talk a little bit about that i guess kate can go first me okay yeah i guess what inspired me was actually generally quick <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> and well a lot of the people who were doing stuff for tokyo pop like amy reader too uh-huh. and- did you get to meet her at dink i know that she was yeah. in for that. yeah we got to meet her and she got a copy of uh, maho dress at chimaka too sweet yeah yeah i was super excited yeah like actually like back when i was like a teenager and i was reading those comics i noticed that all the ones that i liked had lillian as the editor (laughs) lillian person like she does she's the editor for all these cool comics (laughs) i can't take credit for all of them because i actually inherited a lot so but i I had the sense to snag the good ones when when they came up available so so like Jen actually pitched Offbeat to a different editor who then promptly left the company. So I got to take over. Oh, okay. Uh, Amy Reader, actually, she pitched kind of jointly to me and somebody else. And then he left the company. So I got to take over. Mm. Same with Svet. Svet pitched her stuff to somebody else. <laughs> I can only take credit for seeing the series through to the end, not necessarily early stages of development. But still, that's that's exciting to hear that. <laughs> But still, that's a lot of work still, seeing us again. <laughs> so did you go to art school, or what was sort of your background? Yeah, me and Jen both went to school of visual arts, and that was partially okay. inspired. So did by... you actually know Jen? Oh, no. She, okay. I think she left a lot. She left a lot later than we, than us. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were talking about oh, Jen. Oh, I was just what like, what? <laughs> too many Jens. Too many Jens. But yeah, me and Jen met freshman year. She was an animation major. Oh, you mean me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Kate was in comics and I was in animation. Yeah. And we met through our roommate, Maria. She's just this really crazy lady. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Nice. Crazy in, in a good way. <laughs> well, basically, how like Jen and Maria met is they both got to see me after class. Yeah. So what we did is, is we had English class together and I was terrible at essay writing. <laughs> So me and Maria both got see me after class, and so we became friends. <laughs> Delinquent friends. Yep. And, she, and I was roommates with Maria, so uh huh. So that's how we met. And Kate thought I was boring. <laughs> I was boring too. Yeah, we, we each we each thought that we were boring people when we first met each other, and like that kind of just went from there. Yeah. <laughs> what changed that? Oh, we just got to know it. We're we're just super shy, so we got to know each other. We realized that we have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. How did you start kind of working together then? Just through the friendship? That's actually interesting because it started with a short story. It's related to Nove. Uh-huh. It didn't expand quite that way yet. So uh-huh. I, I have written a short story and Kate have written a short story. So I'm just like, hey, do you want our characters to like interact in some way? <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. And then she was kind of reluctant about it. She's uh-huh. like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um I was just, I was afraid of like messing up the canon or something. <laughs> yeah. 
And then we started writing back and forth. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I was in China at the time. Yeah, I was in China at the time. And then we started writing back and forth uh-huh. every day. And we would basically spend the whole day writing. Or we would, wow. We'd spend the morning and the night. Yeah, the morning and the night. Because, because, yeah. Like you're like on opposite sides of the globe. So, yeah. 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 And yeah, yeah, that's how we started like collaborating mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And wow. I think we finished like 200 pages. Of oh, yeah. Script. We finished like 200 pages of script. And they were like, oh, hey, let's pitch the sparkler. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so were the two characters actually Raziel and I don't know, do we wanna do we wanna name the other character in Nova yet, or is that is that like a spoiler right now? <laughs> you can name him, yeah, I yeah. think. That'd be okay. It's uh Sylvain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I think it's Ovon. So, did yeah, one of you come up with one and one of you come up with the other? Or were those the actual two characters that you were kind of working yeah. on together or this character was Sylvain and mine was Raziel. Like I had a totally oh. different story. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to that part yet. So. <laughs> Interesting. So for those who don't know, because I don't know who would know, because I don't think we've ever talked about this publicly, really. Kaiju came to us as part of our, I think, first round of submissions that we did for Sparkler, and they pitched us Nove, and there were a lot of things that I really liked about it. It was it was a really interesting setting. It was an interesting premise. I liked the way the plot was developing, but because Team Kaiju didn't have a lot of other comics experience that we'd seen yet, and this was a very like epic you know long-running story i was like i'm not sure we're really ready to commit to something like that and we were doing i think we were already doing windrow so we already had something that was sort of historical and i was like yeah it's definitely not the same but we want to be careful about keeping the magazine sort of as diverse topic-wise as possible so mm-hmm, yeah so i suggested that they pitch us a short story and what they came back with three really awesome ideas actually <laughs> <laughs> but the one that we ended up doing was ring of saturn which is kind of I guess it's it's basically a Nove side story, but since nobody's read Nove yet, you don't really <laughs> <Yeah>. know that. <laughs> Yeah. I was so pleased with how that came out. And then a couple months later, Kaiju came back to us with Maho Jose Chimaka, which we also, all, you know, completely loved. And it, it's fun because it's such a completely different story from, <laughs> yeah. from either Ring of Saturn or Nove. And that's... That's actually what I liked about the three stories you pitched when you did pitch Saturn was just all of them were really different. All of them were really unique. And so it was fun to work with a team that has such creative flexibility and and so many ideas. So that's been really cool. And then we get to do Inhabitant, which is a much more direct sort of lead up to Nove. Yeah. Um, So you get to see it again. How do you two sort of break up the division of labor since you're both artists and you're both writers is does one of you pencil and the other one ink or like how does the collaboration actually play out well let's start from the beginning um <laughs> <laughs> no it's not that complicated but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well usually like okay so idea wise we both kind of come up with whatever we can it depends whether we get excited about it or yeah, not <laughs> yeah like, we both get excited about it <laughs> yeah uh-huh. It's like, oh, what about this? And you're like, eh, 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 I don't know. And then she's like, you know, oh, what about this? And like, ah. And then like, we'll finally come up with something like, oh yeah, I love that idea. Like, we should pitch that one. And then, <laughs> and then once it gets approved, then um, we write the script together. Yeah, we write the script together. Usually, mm-hmm. we each pick a couple characters and it's just it's kind of like, like a weird RPG process yeah. like we get to write back and forth, which is kind of interesting because sometimes I would have no idea what Kate would write for a certain character and I'd be like oh okay uh I need to respond to this and uh I guess vice versa yeah 
um, and that's been really fun and interesting. Yeah, actually, the writing process is really fun because you just don't know what's going to happen next. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, after that, we start doing thumbnails. Um, usually, we do five five or ten ten. Yeah, and we kind of pick the scenes we want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually like we usually ask each other. It's like, oh, do you want to do this? Like, are you like, more excited about this scene? Mm-hmm. And then we so we divide up the work that way. Mm-hmm. We usually have one person penciling the entire work. Like for mm-hmm. example, for Saturn, uh, Kate penciled everything. Yeah, for for mm-hmm. Saturn and Inhabitant, I'm the penciler, and um, for Chimaka, Jen was um, Jen did the characters and I did the background because mm-hmm, I don't like building. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I can't do this. <laughs> Nothing looks right. Where is the sky and where is the ground? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Chimaka was is really different from what we usually do. Like normally, we did. Um, one of us would ink and one of us with pencil, but I was inking the backgrounds and I hate inking, but I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that leads to usually I ink everything. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of pass on the things we don't want to do to the other person. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice that it kind of, it seems to be relatively evenly divided just between project to project. That, and it's interesting too, because I think there's a seamlessness to your art that you wouldn't think that two people would be so actively engaged in sort of going back and forth on every single page. It's like, I, I don't think I can tell who does what character design. So it's it's interesting that you have this really integrated style between the two of you. Um, was that something that came pretty naturally or did you sort of work to collaborate on a sort of style that you're both comfortable with well it's kind of funny because both of our styles are pretty different in the beginning and then we kind of <laughs> started merging we kind of started merging more work with each other like i started uh-huh. borrowing things from jen and jen started borrowing things from me and <laughs> we ended up having kind of really similar styles it's kind of funny because i get a little bit not angry but i'm just a little bit uh, when my friends told me like yeah your, your style is beginning to look like kate so i'm just like no <laughs> <laughs> now i want to see your earlier work so that i can really like see if i can tell the difference between the two oh, um, but it's sometimes yeah okay. <laughs> it's crazy i i used to do this online comic way back when i was in high school and it's terrible uh-huh. <laughs> it's still up there uh, <laughs> can we go look at it <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you want to. Um, <laughs> it's so bad, though. <laughs> it's called Last War. And if you want to know what my art looked like way back when, um, you got, you can look it up. But it's on Smack Jeeves or something. Yeah, it was on Smack Jeeves. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> but we started just... That should, like, that should give people hope of, like, you know, what their art can start off like and what it can become, though. Yeah. That's yeah. like a good thing. I like I like being able to see people's older work because I think that that's that can be really inspiring. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's oh, true. it's cute. I like it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> uh, Do you want to tell them about your your little plot line? My like little it. plot line. Uh, well, a giant plot line, really. Okay, so it's basically about this girl joining the army because her brother went. MIA uh, uh-huh. <laughs> during a civil war and like yeah it's like it's kind of like Mulan but not really <laughs> like she had to dress cross dress as a man yeah. nice <laughs> and um and yeah it's kind of like 
Mulan meets like Kingdom Hearts or something looking at these designs. <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's so cute though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely yeah. a story I want to work on in the future. I didn't have the heart to take down all the old pages uh-huh. uh, just because I don't, I don't know. I kind of just want to leave them up there. I, I figured that nobody can find them anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, until now. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, 2005. Oh my God. This is like ancient history. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I actually didn't start doing comics till, uh, till college and I didn't, uh-huh. I wasn't as, um, industrious as Jen was. I didn't, didn't do a huge comic or anything like that <laughs> but yeah um going back to how we do things i just want to add oh, one, right, right. one last thing before we sidetrack into something yeah. <laughs> so for inhabitant was actually kind of interesting because there's a lot of color so what we really want to keep it uniform so mm-hmm. what we would do is kate would do a color key and mm-hmm. i would flat according to the color key mm-hmm. and i would like i'm terrible at shadow and lighting and stuff like that so i would always ask her where the where the shadow is and where the light is coming from (laughs) i would be super frustrated (laughs) because i'm like this doesn't make sense (laughs) and she's like no just do it (laughs) but yeah we try to help each other out on each other's weaknesses Mm -hmm. like i'm not that good at anatomy but jen is super good at it so no, I'm not, not that good. I'm no, you're, not super you are good. good but... <laughs> so I was asking her, like, oh, does this look right? You know? <laughs> yeah, so we kind of help fix each other's stuff up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really neat. I'm trying to, I'm, I don't think there's a lot of teams that really work that way other than like Clamp where I think they really are trading tasks around at that level. So mm. that's that's kind of cool that, that that's how you have ended up collaborating. So one thing that we talked about kind of a little bit more of like the nitty gritty of making comics is through our little email conversation was the idea of silence and sort of having panels where you know, there's no dialogue as being something that's really core to sort of a manga-style pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something, you definitely see it in all of your work, but I think it's particularly noticeable in Ring of Saturn. Um, oh, yeah. Just because, yeah. particularly, this is when we were, again, when going back to talking about pitching this, music manga is, music comics of any kind are incredibly hard to do, in my opinion, because you need to be able to convey sound in a medium where there is no sound. And so I actually asked Team Kaiju to do a couple of test pages of Miriam playing the piano. And I was like, how are you actually going to convey this big climactic scene that you've written out in your your outline here? And as soon as I sent the pages, I was like, okay, they can handle it. (laughs) It's going to be great. But still, you get to that scene where she's really having her breakdown, and you see the, the hammers of the piano start to move, and there's these speed lines on them along with her face. And you start to get that drama of the moment and how she's having this sort of revelation. And then you get to the two-page spread of her playing with Saturn, and suddenly everything is just open and dark and quiet. And I thought that that was just a fabulous moment. So talk a little bit about what your philosophy is on that and how you use silence as a way to convey emotion in your work. Well, this is something we started thinking about relatively recently, probably around the time we started Saturn. We were trying to think about why manga is so engaging. It's just, it's so international. Like, so many people are really into it and um, in a way that not a lot of other comics have become, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're trying to, like, oh, what what is it about manga that makes it so um, appealing? We started mm-hmm. realizing that um, it's not really about the style. It's more about the storytelling and about the silence. 
Um, I think there's like a famous Miyazaki quote somewhere or like, oh, American stuff is about all about the clapping. It's not about in between each clap. basically, mm-hmm. Like the moment between each clap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is something really prevalent in manga. I think Jen was Jen was looking at stuff. Oh like, yeah, because I did it. We did an entire um, panel on this. That yeah. I don't know. Like I think it kind of left people in a trance <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> but I found the concept really interesting because I was looking at the concept of ma, which mm-hmm. is I guess uh, I think it's space in Japanese. Or, yeah, yeah. So specifically, a space so, between. It's like a gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Look, space like outer space. No, no, <laughs> not like, like outer space. But. So it's sort of like, and I kind of compare it to a to a sacred tree or uh, a sacred object in Shinto, where mm. they tie the rope around it and they invite the spirit to come in mm. to it because mm. the spirit is not like the spirit is not not the tree and not the the shrine that and house it is sort of you're inviting something in and so i kind of compared the silence to a moment where you can in- invite the reader into a character's mindset mm-hmm. um so yeah that was the basic idea and basically we used a lot of example like mars and um mm. um and i think monster he does that really well too and children of the sea and children of the sea his works are always really atmospheric. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. and there's a lot of silence and scenery where there's not there's no dialogue going on, but mm-hmm. you're just kind of feeling everything. Yeah, I think the major thing that we're kind of finding in manga is it's very very emotional. Even the seinen and the shonen and like everything, it's very driven by emotion and about being in that character's shoes. Yeah, we were and like because we we do this on our free time, <laughs> analyzing shonen and stuff and why make shonen is really effective. Trying to grab a reader in the first sixty to eighty pages mm-hmm. for work, mm-hmm. they explain everything the character have, like their motivation, their background. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. So, so as a reader, you can relate to the to the main character and like really understand them and care for them within that sixty to eight. To 60 to 80 pages which I think is really interesting and it's something that a Japanese comic does really well yeah for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I guess um, we're kind of talking about two two things um, at once <laughs> yeah like there's right. this, this, there's like the silence like silent panels and then there's being in the character's shoes mm-hmm. which I feel like they're sort of related because every time you have a silent panel it's your chance to kind of absorb everything and to kind of feel what the character is feeling. Mm-hmm. We were looking at, like, what was it, Monster? I think Monster? Yeah, basically, like, a character's about to get shot or something like that. Uh, it's a, a child finds a gun. Mm. And the chapter opens with the child just looking at the gun from his perspective. Like, mm-hmm. he's holding it and he sees the gun from his perspective. And there is no words uh-huh. that explains what's going on. But it was it's really effective because you you can um, fill that narrative Mm-hmm. as a reader so i think it's mm-hmm. like it's kind of an engaging thing yeah. for a reader which is really different i think it's something really unique 
two manga. Mm-hmm. It's not as unique. I mean, a lot of people are using that. Now. Well, yeah, a lot of people are using that now, but it is still something that I mean, I read a lot of Western comics when I was growing up from like Tintin and Asterix. And then I went through a big Marvel phase when I was in mm-hmm. elementary school and middle school. And definitely the things that appealed to me more were the stories where you get to take a breath sometimes. Yeah. And there isn't sort of wall to wall dialogue. Mm-hmm. And one thing that particularly annoys me with Western comics is when the writer overemphasizes certain words. It drives me nuts when there's bolds and italics in places where, as a reader, that's not the way it goes in my head. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the writer is sort of steering, really steering how I should be engaging in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> and even when it's a writer who I like and whose dialogue is sort of otherwise engaging, it'll really take me out of the moment. And I think the people who I enjoy with western comics and there, there definitely are a lot of particularly these days stuff out there that i think is really great it's, it's the writers who know how to leave that space and, and are giving the space to the artist to kind of let the visuals tell the story a bit more but yeah and, and it's not like all manga does this great but i i do yeah. certainly just thinking about shoujo in general the fact that you'll have 10 pages of really dense back and forth dialogue and asides and there'll be all this stuff going on and then you'll break all of a sudden for like a two-page spread and just yeah. have you know, somebody sort of captions of like what's going on in their heart or like what what they're thinking about at that time, completely changing the pace all of a sudden. I think that's another thing that that sort of sucks you into the narrative is not having everything always be the same pace. Yeah, the manga handling is super good at pacing, like yeah. in, er, making, um, how would you put it? <laughs> <laughs> what? I can't read your mind. <laughs> <laughs> pacing the reader, I guess. Yeah, I think I think it is really about pacing the reader and also showing the reader what you want them to see too Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm. but not like in a really obvious but not in a really obvious way Uh, you like you're directing your reader subtly (laughs) technically all comics are about drawing the reader through the page or at least all good comics should be about controlling the reader's experience in different ways and what i think is interesting about you Mentioning both Mars and Monster in sort of the same breath is that those are two completely different styles. One is this sort of classic shoujo where you've got lots of sparkly eyes and like lots of sort of shiny backgrounds and and space for people to kind of talk about about their feelings and then you've got this really dense almost political drama in a very seinen style with a lot of Urasawa's work tends to be really boxy so there's lots of panel lines rather than Mars which is very like open and kind of Mm free-flowing and so you're getting really interesting sort of parallel experiences out of two really different comics and one of the things I particularly like about Urasawa is that obviously he's great at backgrounds and settings and you know monsters all these beautiful drawings of Germany and then his other stuff, whether it's science fiction where you're getting Pluto and all of the science fiction backgrounds there or 20th century boys where it's this, I don't know, it's all over the place, all the way from like 1960s Japan to the near future. But like his characters are often a little on the caricature-ish side. So he puts all this detail into the backgrounds, but the designs themselves are often very simple and kind of, in some ways, I would say easy to draw, but at the same time, they're all really unique and have like this very strong personality to them. And I think that that's something that's 
appealing about his work. And it's something I can kind of see reflected in your work as well, is oh, that, that's um, I can't <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking about the cast of inhabitant. I'm thinking about just how you sort of populate. Chumaka is, you know, primarily about Chumaka and, and Pippa, but you know, you have these background characters who all seem to have their own lives and their own personalities and they don't just sort of look like generic manga background character. And that's something that I feel like is very, very Urasawa of you. <laughs> but it shows up, feels like they can have their own story. Yeah, so. probably partially because Jen does all the background characters. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I get a page with a bunch of people, I'm like, okay, Jen, you do them. There's <laughs> <laughs> like, no more people. <laughs> yeah, I guess because we do put a lot of energy into them. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I especially liked Coyote Boulder. <laughs> I totally missed as an X-Files reference until like you guys mentioned it offhand. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't realize that that's Fox Mulder. Uh, Considering that was like the huge fandom of my high school years. Um, <laughs> Lillian's gateway to internet culture. Yeah, he was great. But no, I love Chimaka's boyfriend, her her like high school boyfriend. Uh-huh. So we get to see him later with his family. I thought that was terrific. Yeah, I want to make him like a stay at home dad. Yeah. You know, he just wants a family and yeah. stuff. But I guess like him and Chimaka just doesn't work out. Yeah. 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 Well, because she was just waiting to meet Pippa. So yeah. it's just, yeah. <laughs> hadn't met the right person yet. And it turns out to be a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we had some little background characters in Inhabitant. We did? I remember. Oh, okay. Um, it's an, okay. Yeah. I, so in the second chapter of Inhabitant, there's this scene where they're looking at the play. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And there's a yeah. crowd in front of the stage. So I drew this guy with his younger ba- brother. Younger brother yeah. And he's holding his hand. <laughs> yeah, they're just watching the play together. They're watching the play together. That's... I thought it was so cute. I was like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, okay. so it's the older brother taking his younger brother out for the play. <laughs> and then... and there's just these random people in the story. They don't, they don't like, <laughs> we never see them again. They don't have. No, they don't come back. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that, those, that, Attention to detail is really what makes things like that come alive. What other things do you take inspiration from? What else are you is sort of on your little study list of how to become better mm-hmm. comics creators? It's interesting because uh, talking about little details and stuff, mm-hmm. What? because uh, we're big fans of Haru Mori and we love Emma oh. and um, Bride's story mm. and things like that and but yeah. what drew me uh to her work before she got really good she was always really good but she like com- really, really when good. she got really really good like i didn't see that coming but, <laughs> but i got into emma when i i just read the first one or two volumes what i liked it about it was it felt like england yeah rather than somewhere like fantasy England fantasy England (laughs) and they're just saying that it's England and I was really drawn to the atmosphere Mm -hmm. of Uh the story and so we tried really hard to put that in our stuff too Mm -hmm. like we really want our stories to be grounded instead of just saying like yeah this is France or this is England like we want the readers to actually be able to tell that it is France Mm -hmm. or England so that's definitely feel like you're there like yeah we want them to feel like they're there in the time period rather Mm -hmm. than just a fantasy kind of thing or setting another manga that really influenced us and that we really love is Aria 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so I I read it in school and Kate read it in college. I yeah. think. Yeah, and we just really、mm-hmm. love the slice of life atmospheric feel of our area. It's、mm-hmm. just something I really enjoy. Like it releases my stress. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, Aria、um, was originally. Published by ADV briefly, and then Tokyo Pop picked it up. So I actually worked on a couple volumes of that at one point. Yeah, yeah.、Um, actually, a seinen series, but it's basically it's an entirely female cast about gondoliers on Mars in the future. So like Mars has been terraformed and turned into basically a water planet, and so there's it's Neo Venetia, Neo Venice, and they all there's these women who work as tour guides, basically as these female gondoliers who who go out and Show people around the city, and they sing. And there's the protagonist is trainee, so she's there to kind of learn how to be a gondolier. So it's her relationship with her fellow tour guides, and then like the competing tour companies. But it's just very like atmospheric. This gentle story about her day to day life in this beautiful place, and just everything is so wonderfully rendered and gorgeously illustrated. It didn't, was never as popular here. Like everybody who's read it is like really passionate about it, but、yeah. it's, it's a little、yeah. too kind of. Subtle to kind of have gained like a, enough of a fan base to kind of sustain it in a bigger way, but it always—it's a lovely series to kind of look at, particularly if you're talking about using silence as well. Yeah, it's, it's just a very evocative. I think that's one of the first series where Tokyo Pop's policy on on translating sound effects was basically don't bother to do it for reasons that are kind of complicated to explain, mostly just sort of production. But it didn't usually bother me that much because I feel like. When you're working with a good artist, most of the time, you know, if there's like a boom or a bang, you can tell what the sound is supposed to be without even、yeah. knowing the exact translation. I think Arya was one of the first manga that I worked on where I was like, "Yeah, this really needs a little bit of extra sound attention," because whether it was like the swishing of the water against the gondolas or like bells ringing in the distance, there were a lot of little touches in the sound effects that kind of helped to bring that world to life, even when there wasn't、yeah. dialogue going on. And ironically, they can be really tough to translate because there's a lot of onomatopoeia in Japanese that doesn't have an obvious translation in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what does the sound of water against a boat sound like? Swish.、Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of other things that make a swish noise too, and so you see swish, and you're like, is that the water? Is it her skirt? Is it the paddle? <laughs> is it the wind in her hair? And so it's a surprisingly difficult thing to kind of actually work on. It's coming up with sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Like what's a good word for like <laughs> whatever it is? And then you're just like, oh, this sounds awkward. Like,、oh. <laughs> yeah. My favorite was the sort of the standard thing for the noise that a subway makes、uh, in Japanese is katan katan,、uh-huh. and it's very evocative when you sort of say it properly. Katan 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 katan.、Yeah. That sounds like wheels going over tracks,、mm-hmm. but you write that in English and it looks like katan katan. <laughs>、um, so you write that down and somebody's like, what the hell is that supposed to be? <laughs> Then you're like clacking a clacking, and you're like, I mean, it works, but it just doesn't have that that resonance that katan 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 does. Anyway, yeah, it's been funny. I, I've gotten better at sound effects since leaving Tokyo Pop and doing mostly freelance work in manga because everybody else uses sound effects. Last year, I started working with a translator who's mostly done anime before, and we're working on Princess Jellyfish. Oh, um, oh yeah. Um, volume one of which just came out. Go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> She's a 
fantastic translator. She's really good, but has never done sound effects before. So she keeps asking me for my opinion on things, and I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Let's make it up. (laughs) But that's been fun that now I'm like the sound effect expert compared to her. So So other, other things that inspire you. So we had Emma, we had Aria... Uh, oh, and, and Aunt Aria, I just want to add a really quick note, because I, I always thought it was interesting where some things get popular in the East uh-huh. and not on the West, because I read Chinese and English, uh-huh. so sometimes uh-huh. I would read the work before it gets translated. And like, I know a lot of people in Asia just absolutely adores Aria. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, like in a category that's called healing. Like, it, yeah. it heals the soul <laughs> kind of thing. Uh-huh. And that's the only anime I can watch during my deadline. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, my thesis, I was dying. Yeah, like, yeah, we listened to Monks chanting and Aria. Like, that's about it. <laughs> but yeah, so like, funny. I, just, I just find it like interesting. There's so much of a gap between what the west and what the east appreciate yeah there's a lot of manga you know when they're sold in japan they've got their little paper belly band the obi that has a little call out or like recommendations or whatever and one of the ones that they would use a lot was like this manga will make you cry (laughs) and i would see that on something and i'd be like i'm probably gonna like that but there's no way that's gonna sell in the u.s (laughs) (laughs) like that's not what people usually want to read is the manga that's sold as this manga will make you cry not that like manga that make you cry aren't popular because i think that that emotional side is really key but the things that tend to be branded that way are stuff that sort of to me reads like an after school special so it's one of the ones where it's like oh this girl flunks out of high school and becomes a prostitute and a drug addict and blah 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 and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) i'm like that's tragic story and then her dog dies oh no Um, and those can be like they're super popular in japan there's a lot of like mid-tier shoujo magazines run a lot of used to run a lot of stuff like that they'd sell a zillion copies and the publishers would be like hey don't you think this would be great in the u.s and i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) things people want to cry about or are not and Sasuke beating each other up and then yeah, having yeah. moments in the rain. So <laughs> that's the stuff that they want to cry about. Or Full Metal Alchemist and Brotherly Angst and the sacrifices that we have to make for stuff, not this kind of day to day tragedy. <laughs> we want more epic tragedy. Yeah, there's definitely like different trends different. going on. Like, I don't know, like, there's, I, don't I think know. there's definitely like dramas that. TV dramas that people be into that are all about that here. Maybe not on the comic side. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of like how up until recently, I mean, there's always sports manga have always been popular mm-hmm. sort of among certain segments of the fandom, but they've never been particularly commercially successful for mm-hmm. the US. I'm I'm hoping that Kurokono Basuke and Haikyuu turn that around, but yeah, my philosophy on that was like, I love sports manga. I always have. But I think that there's like this jock nerd divide in the US. And so the yeah. people who are playing manga aren't the people who are playing sports. Mm-hmm. And if anything, they've got sort of a dislike for the people playing sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that actually makes a lot so of sense. It's the only thing I can I can really think of to explain it, because, you know, particularly stuff that's running in Shonen Jump, it's also mm-hmm. thematically similar that you think that, like, if you're into this excitement and storylines behind something like Naruto, those are paralleled in different ways, even in something like Hikaru no Go, which is so completely different. It's mm-hmm. still that same, like, mm-hmm. you've got your rival, you've got your side female character you've got your you know tournament challenge that you need to go through and do whatever and you know structurally they're all so similar that 
in a good way. Like, I think that's something that's cool about shonen manga is that you can have these similar themes that get expressed really differently by different writers and artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you'd think there'd be a little more fandom overlap, but there hasn't been until now. So. <laughs> I want to see a sports manga with just women. Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what I want to see, too. Like... I do enjoy you guys. Okay, dude, if you pitch me a sports manga with women, (laughs) we will we will publish that. I have been dying to do a sports manga for years. But we can't do it though, (laughs) because people actually like sports now. (laughs) But see, that's what's so great about Hikaru no Go is it's it's the structure of a sports manga, except that it's about a board game. Or even better, actually, my favorite was Dragon Voice. Did you ever read Dragon Voice? Mm-mm. God, this is this is a phenomenal series by I'm forgetting what her name is. It's it's the woman who did Rebound. She writes for Kodansha's sort of shonen lines. I think it's Kodansha, but it's it's a female author. And so Dragon Voice is about a boy band, but it's <laughs> okay. a boy band narrative structured like a sports manga. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> so it's got all of that same like competition and like you know there's sort of the outsider characters, the one who comes in and he's got this like weird hoarse voice that somehow meshes with like the four existing team members to create like this amazing sound and it's just freaking amazing and they do all these dance routines they've got these ridiculous costumes i love it um, and I, I think only about five people in america read it so um, that's okay but yeah i would i would love to do a, a sports series at some point anybody out there listening who wants to pitch a sports series let's yeah do it. I, I would absolutely love to read it because yeah. i don't like sports <laughs> So I don't think I can do a good job. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure we we research it and we were yeah, thinking about like, I, we're thinking about like women's cycling and that kind of thing. We <laughs> <laughs> saw something recently about women's cycling. We're like figure oh. skating, gymnastics. Yeah. yeah, I had a friend who pitched me a really great Boys Love Swim Team series, like a decade, a full decade before Free came out. Um, I had an idea of doing like a Shonen swimming series, and it, it never happened for various reasons, and I, I regret it to this day. Do you do you guys watch a lot of anime as well, or is it mostly comics these days? We're watching Sugar Sugar Room right now. <laughs> nice. Got into it. It's just so cute. Uh. <laughs> it's like cute, but like weird Moyoko. Style. Yeah, yeah, it's so amazing. <laughs> we're really into Hitarakiman, uh-huh. like before that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're yep. see- seeing her style on like really cutesy, like magical girl characters. It's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I actually, got into it because of couple rushes. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Sparkler fandom. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. We're we're watching it slowly now, and um, I'm and we're watching Atasinchi. Don't, oh, nice. Yeah, I don't think it will ever be popular here, like, ever. But yeah. I love that show. It's just about this daily life of a family in Japan. Yeah, like, as I've gotten older, I've really been into slice of life stuff. Like, uh-huh. I remember when I was in high school, I was all about fantasy. Like, and, Yami no Matsue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, stuff like that. And um, as I got older, it's, it's starting not as interest- being as interesting to me. And slice of life really took over, which is really the opposite of what I was into in high school. When I saw things like Atsushi in high school, I was like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "This is the best." Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the only two things we've been watching lately, just because we're so busy. I, like, I really want to finish watching Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I need to watch that. I've always wanted to. I've never really gotten around to it. It's so good, but it's so heavy. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I just can't do it while I'm working. Like, at, at the end of the first 26th episode, we had to take, like, a month break. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> One thing happened in there yeah. that just knocked us out both like emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So yeah, I recommend that series. Like I it took me two tries to get into it because it's I very, I, very basically it alters between emotions and politics. Yeah, like the <laughs> I yeah. have entire nice. episodes where it's just a fake documentary about what happened. <laughs> like what happened in the galaxy that lead up to this silly war thing. Yeah. And you just have somebody oh. that looks like Carl Sagan or whoever <laughs> like walk in front of this like Earth for days. Like it's basically a mockumentary in like anime form. Yeah. Uh, they do subtlety really well in the anime anyway. They mm-hmm. have like little glances and um, yeah, mm-hmm. like you have to kind of interpret what they're thinking and it's it's really nice. Yeah, so I am po- I'm poisoned by Legend of the Black Pick Heroes right now. So that's like the only thing I'm really, really like obsessed with. <laughs> and um, have you read the novels? Because the novels are going to finally be coming out in English. Hey, I, I'm reading the first volume when I should be working. <laughs> Oops, to me while I'm like penciling. I'm like, I'm like, Kate, you want to listen to this chapter? I'll read it to you. And Kate is like, sure. <laughs> I mean, we're. We're really into a lot of stuff. It's just um, so many things. It's hard to kind of keep up with everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I really like historical sin and things, too. So the author of Mars is doing this historical manga called Cicere right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is basically the life of Cicere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Borgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. And I'm reading the Japanese version that I got. It's like a $1 copy from Book Off, but it's really hard to read because my Japanese isn't that good and it's all like political, historical things. But from what I can gather, um, I really liked it. <laughs> so oh, it's just, she's, uh-huh. so, she's so good. Yeah, she, she's a really good storyteller. Yeah. So, yeah. You two are full-time artists, right? This is your day job, too? Yeah, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So sort of what's day like for you? What, what are sort of the hours that you keep? And is there like a ritual that you do sort of before you start working? Do you have sort of a daily schedule that you stick to? Or is it just... I don't know, work all the time or slack off and then freak out before the deadline? Or <laughs> Well, we definitely work a lot harder as the deadline approaches. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We're definitely working all the time, though, especially for Inhabitant. It being full color, we really have to step it up. <laughs> yeah, we, we have to keep our schedule We really have tight. to stay on schedule yeah. or else it really piles up at the end. Mm-hmm. So we'll wake up at... We, we were pretty late rising. You wake up at like 11? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to know this about me. <laughs> but yeah. We wake up at 11 and like... Eat breakfast. We and make just, a big breakfast and... Um, just chain ourselves to the table afterwards, basically. Yeah, so and like during one... Like maybe we'll make a giant pot of soup that yes. will last us forever. <laughs> Yeah, like we make giant meals so that we don't have, have to, to cook. cook the day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Time to wind down at the end. We usually work from like maybe two to midnight. Yeah, probably midnight or one. Yeah. Or something. And we'll wind down and go to bed at three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that's how we got our terrible schedule of waking up at 11. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to say, I was working freelance for a couple of years and that was definitely 
pretty close to what my schedule was. And now I've kind of got a day job. So I've switched back slightly more reasonable hours, but yeah. not really. I still tend to stay up until like one thirty or 2 if I if left to my own devices. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just like the night better. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work a little better at night. It's funny. If I, if I really get up at like a very efficient time and like I'm really working by like 9 a.m., then I can have a very productive morning. But the second it kind of ticks over and like it's 9.30, suddenly it's just like, I might as well not even start work until noon at that point. So yeah, goes um. <laughs> off too. If we, if we get slightly off schedule, things can just go awry. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I'm going to go back to something we talked about a little bit before, which was sort of you talking about being interested in details and hmm. and wanting to ground your settings in interesting ways. How do you go about doing your research for that? Oh, we spend a lot of time researching and it's never enough. We're and always- you still get <laughs> strong. <laughs> <laughs> like during Inhabitant, we realized that the Louvre that we drew was actually... Built by Napoleon? Built by Napoleon. <laughs> like, oh, wait, that's 200 years later or <laughs> 100 years later, whatever it was. Yeah, but we really liked the structure, so we kind of kept a little bit of it. We're like uh-huh. bending history but um so basically kate drew all the buildings i'm like oh we need to take some of these out because these don't exist (laughs) yet and so we ended up erasing a bunch of things yeah that's okay i mean it's impossible to get everything completely right so we, we try to be as close as we can as possible um we look up a lot of old etchings there was this book called how paris became paris and it basically focuses on that time period and about um, what existed during that time period and mm. what the lifestyle was like that helped us a lot and um mm-hmm. oh because we're writing um Raziel, life in Paris mm-hmm. I think we got a book about Muslims in, oh yeah that was super hard to find in Paris at the time it was just it's basically a bunch of translated letters that people had written back then and it's usually I guess like they were on a religious not mission but they're just like kind of visiting the Mm-hmm. as an ambassador yeah that, mm-hmm. so that's how we kind of got because we really want to get it right yeah because mm-hmm. you know it's like a sensitive subject and so we did some research on that but yeah of course like it was super hard to find though like just that specific time period mm-hmm. um, we ended up finding one book and uh, none of the bookstores around us carried it found it on amazon mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of expensive it's like they're usually <laughs> like university presses yeah. they're not really uh, out there mm-hmm. that much so you kind of have to dig it up <laughs> but yeah we do do a lot of like reading we go to the library a lot actually uh, an interesting story when we were first when we were first writing Novain, we decided, oh, let's go find a book by Huygens. And it turns out that's even harder to find. <laughs> really? Yeah, like uh, we had to go to the vault in the library. You can't even take it out of the library. It's like super hidden in there. And it's a original. Wow. Uh, it's one of the limited print edition book printed in the in English. Printed in English in the it probably like seventeenth like late seventeenth century. Yeah, I think like early. Wow. Early seventeen hundred. Yeah. Uh huh. And his basically his letters to his brother yeah. about his theory on uh, aliens on aliens because yeah. he, cool. he couldn't yeah. <laughs> he couldn't publish any of these stuff back then. It, 
I think he he stated specifically to wait until like until he died until he died <laughs> to publish his theory huh. because the church would just be flipping out I yeah. guess <laughs> at the time. So. Yeah. yeah, so we get to look at it. It was really interesting. The on the front of the book, the owner of the book back hundreds of years ago yeah. wrote "Only God Knows." Yeah, or something like that. Huh. What existed and what? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was really interesting. It was really, like it was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really neat. Do that kind of like um, research. Mm-hmm. Kind of were were the letters where you got Raziel's line about complaining about Parisian food? Oh, we were watching um, the supersizer. Yeah, we were watching. The <laughs> <laughs> so we gathered during that time period. They had this herb for seasoning eggs uh-huh. and pudding things, yeah. uh, tansy. But the, the thing is, um, is poisonous. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it poisons you. <laughs> So I think that's how he got like night terrors and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, that night terror line is referring to um, is referring to the tansy omelet thing, the tansy omelet <laughs> yeah. or whatever that he likes. It's probably like kind of sweet. Yeah, and yeah, huh. but it'll like it'll it could make you hallucinate. Yeah, it can make you hallucinate. <laughs> That's so interesting. Huh. What do you use for fashion reference? Because that was one of the things I really liked was just all of the different jackets and dresses and, and your little explanation about Rossdale's cloak and why he's so excited about it. That's from how Paris became Paris. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. We're, there's the, the Paris became Paris book. Um, they explained how cloaks were really expensive back then. And how people kept getting them taken when they... Go, go on, on the bridge. <laughs> like people. Which would... bridge is that? Is that's a specific bridge, right? That's Which one? The Pont Neuf. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. So that's like a gathering place for for people from different classes. Mm-hmm. So basically, people get their stuff stolen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess going between the right bank and the left bank. Yeah. Uh huh. And like, I guess yeah. cloak is one of the really valuable items back uh-huh. then. Like, even the really rich can probably only afford not if you're like the king or whatever, <laughs> but if you're like. Yeah, like a wealthy person, you can probably afford like one yeah, cape. One or yeah, or one or two. Like, you know, if you get more than that, people think you're kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we also collect a lot of fashion books. And one thing I kind of like, because I went to Japan a few, three years back, and they have these giant fashion things condensed into little pocket-sized ones. Yeah, yeah little pocket-sized books on just different fashion through the ages we got the giant yeah. one here it was yeah, like it's really heavy costumes <laughs> like it was two giant volumes the size of like dictionaries yeah. <laughs> and um we also got some historical costumes that is like from the museum or something like i guess it's huh. a museum in japan actually it was like a kyoto institute oh, really? of whatever they put together two volumes of books on fashion. So that's what we use. And we also use the eyewitness book. Oh, yeah. Actually, the, the, eyewitness, oh. the eyewitness books that are, like, for kids. For children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have really good reference in there. And, yeah. And, and they're really interesting little tidbits. Like, little tidbits. Yeah. So that was really fun. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's what we use for fashion yeah. mostly. Yeah. That's <laughs> cool. So... Inhabitant, like I said, is another sort of side story slash prequel to Nove. So you want to talk a little bit about Nove and sort of what's coming up? Sure. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I think 
of Nove, I'm just like, oh my goodness, where to start? <laughs> I don't want to like give away like major plot points. I mean, there's definitely going to be some big surprises in there that people probably won't expect. Yeah, we're uh-huh. afraid that people might get angry at us. For... <laughs> <laughs> like, Why? Oh. There's just some really big events that happen in there that are kind of yeah, but. <laughs> but anyway, I don't think we'll go too much into that. Um, basically, after Inhabitant, Nove takes place four years later. Raziel is 18 and <laughs> Raziel is not that much of a wreck anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's, still- <laughs> he's got his shit together a little bit. <laughs> it was really funny because our, our sister reads over our story yeah. and she's just like, Raziel's a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I know. But yeah. I can't just leave him though. <laughs> he's 18 in Inhabitant and he's 22 in um, Nove. Nove, so mm-hmm. he's got it together more. Um, and Nove is definitely going to be more slow paced and it's going to be uh-huh. really emotional. <laughs> and um, it's going to have a bit more of the um, paranormal stuff. Yeah, it's going to have more power. So I, I guess I can give away, th- away this because yeah. it's on the bookmark that we made. So Raziel meets Sylvain, who's a necromancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he has his own story that's really interesting. And we kind of focus on that a little bit later on. Um, uh-huh. And it's going to focus on like kind of his trade yeah, as a necromancer and how he um jen has this whole um <laughs> really complicated backstory yeah. but yeah and it also focuses on their relationship yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of drama a lot of slice of life um, and maybe some tears <laughs> it's um a little intimidating <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited though it's been kind of a long time coming. I mean, I, I know the story that you guys originally pitched, but I'm curious to see if or how it's evolved in the, the two years since then. So it'll be a surprise to me where you guys end up going with this. So, yeah, but I think that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. We definitely added a bunch of stuff to it. We shift things around. Yeah. To make it more sensible, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe giving some characters some more um, FaceTime. FaceTime? I yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> like, FaceTime, FaceTime? Some more spotlight. Yeah, some. Oh, okay. Block. I break this little thread from this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> FaceTime. But yeah, we're really excited. Will there be hot makeouts? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> this, has been, this has been like a discussion that me and Kate has. We're like, how long? <laughs> it's long enough. And like, how long is too long? And Kate's like, no, we can't spend the entire chapter. I'm just like, I'm just like, why not? <laughs> well, it's definitely going to be slower paced. Yeah, yeah. It's entire it's chapter series. It's going to be a little slower paced. I'm going to fight for entire chapters. No, so. no. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. We're uh, looking forward to the the third chapter of Inhabitant. Um, yeah, I, I I sort of keep getting ahead of myself on this stuff too because I mean I I forget sort of where we are on like the website versus where we are in the magazine too because oh yeah, like, there's a couple people who are like way ahead with their chapter releases versus where we are on the site right now so it's like inhabitant and an orange junk are particularly bad in that regard yeah <laughs> um, need to hurry up so everybody can read hot makeouts and inhabitant <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to when that goes though when people yeah we were trying one. like we really don't want to spoil people so yeah. it's so hard to yeah. just like yeah, get in. yeah. <laughs> i'm glad that everybody seems to like 
Raziel's dad as much as we did too. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, we we ended up really liking him too. And we're just like, oh no. <laughs> what happened to his mom? I don't think we ever talked about this. It's not really something that really comes up in no phase either. It, it's kind of complicated. Um I mean his mom, his mom's not dead. She's oh she's kind of gone on her own little like spiritual <laughs> journey. <laughs> Okay, okay. And she's um kind of doing her own thing. <laughs> Interesting. <Yeah>. Interesting. <laughs> well, I guess I'm glad to hear that she's not dead, but at the same time, I'm like, well, that explains probably a little bit more about Ra- why Raz has these abandonment issues. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Raz. <laughs> poor Raz. He needs a hug. I know. So, I Like, we keep on calling him Oli. I know, but we keep giving, like, the longer we have a character... The more nicknames they have. The more ridiculous their pet name becomes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see, we started calling him Razioli. (laughs) So now we just Oli? Now we just Oli. Oli. (laughs) That's adorable. (laughs) Does Sylvain have one as well? No, we just can't think of a cute name for him. Because we just thought it all sounds so like dark and yeah. serious no matter how yeah. how much you break it apart so it's just so vain forever yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you're a necromancer though yeah so everybody's yeah. gonna think you're dark and serious i think he started calling him like sylvain poop or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> terrible <laughs> what else oh yeah i are flatter lily mm-hmm. she keep on adding other lily yeah other lily she keep on the, the, the one where like <laughs> so we have the credit is liliana diaz in uh uh i guess chimaka and and leanne was like did you just give yourself like a weird pen name and i'm like no no that's actually a different person <laughs> i know i thought it was funny how similar your name <laughs> But yeah, Lily loves to add her own dialogue, and it cracks us up so oh, Yeah, she always sends back pages with, her, with dialogues <laughs> added on top of it. I think we showed Lillian, but we might yep, post yep. that. Whenever that page comes up, we'll post Lillian, um, uh, Lily's, Lily's comment. Awesome. The little, like, variation on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> that'll be good. <laughs> were you selling the the chapter one of inhabitant this past weekend or were you giving it away or no, we're se- we were selling them yeah we, we only printed a few we only printed a few copies because we weren't sure about the cover yeah we yeah. <laughs> cover was a little a little rough because we were on deadline with the second oh right yeah uh-huh so we kind of want to tighten it up a, a little bit but yeah, yeah a lot of people uh-huh. seems to be interested in it yeah. so we're happy and we're actually yeah. out so <laughs> yeah we sold out of everything we only had about 10 copies each of uh-huh. we yeah we're, we're out now yeah <laughs> good for you congrats <laughs> yay Thanks. well always a pleasure talking to you ladies everybody look forward to chapter three of inhabitant coming in may and you guys aren't coming to tcaf again are you you're you're not this yeah. year but we're going to Vancaf. yeah we'll be at oh Vancaf. okay yeah we're like going to the other one <laughs> fair enough you both coasts well i guess we're not coast but whatever close, close enough yeah yeah all right is there any parting words that you guys want to say to people we're just really happy that people are enjoying inhabitant since it's a story that's really close to our heart yeah. I think all of our stories are pretty close to our hearts. Well, yeah, people are enjoying our stories. That's... Yeah, we're really, we're really happy that um, we've gotten so much good feedback about everything we've done. Yeah, so we just like to thank people. Yeah, like to thank yeah. everyone. We're really grateful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lillian, do you have any parting remarks? It's just been a real pleasure to work with Team Kaiju over the last few years, and I can't wait to see where they go from here. So I, I can't say enough good things about them. And <laughs> onward and upward, ladies. Let's do it. <laughs> Yay. Somebody go pitch me a sports series. <laughs> That's right. 
I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to Kate and Jen f- for coming and Lillian, of course, for like doing pretty much all the work. So that was great. <laughs> You're doing the important technical stuff. Though. That means that I don't have to worry about fiddling with microphones and recording stuff. So and, and Jill's the one who gets to edit the podcast, too. Yeah. So I get to listen. Thanks, again. Jill. <laughs> Cut out the parts where you say something dumb. Yeah. yeah. So say goodbye, everyone. And then we will sign off. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye. Bye.